the early founders, one of three of Invoice Pay back in 2009. Their business model is transitioning more towards SaaS as they make the world of kind of businesses paying their suppliers more efficient. They're making the, the suppliers be able to update their data more efficient and the businesses be able to, again, interact with those suppliers more efficiently as well. There's definitely a SaaS model there, but right now it's a transaction kind of volume play. They are well, they thought it was a big deal and they passed a billion in transaction volume. They're well over 10 billion now looking to beat out a lot of these banks and bring uh, cheaper prices to a lot of people. This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit sold mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you listening right now don't have time to listen to every B2B SaaS CEO that I've interviewed. If you want to get access to the database I've created with year-over-year growth rates, customer accounts, margins, and many, many other data uh, metrics and data points, you can go to getlatka.com. Here's the thing, though. This database... I keep it to myself, it's so freaking valuable. And to preserve the quality of the data and make sure that the people that have access to it have a true advantage, I'm only letting 10 companies on each month. So we're full this month, but you can go to getlatka.com to get on the waiting list for next month. And look, there's big people on the waiting list. I mean, the biggest VCs you've ever heard of. You've probably heard of them. They're big, private equity, billions and billions under management. So it's an impressive waiting list. Go get on now at getlatka.com. Good morning, everyone. Hello. My guest today is Carla Freedy, and she's the chief executive officer, a co-founder, and member of the board of directors at a company called Invoice Pay. She has 20 years of experience in management, finance, and marketing roles in both large and early stage companies. Along with the founding team, Carla has grown Invoice Pay into the leading B2B payment automation software company. Before this company, she was president and CEO of a privately held company, uh, VP of marketing for GeoTrust, which was acquired by VeriSign in 2006, co-founder of the Ascent Group, a strategy consulting firm servicing technology firms in the Bay Area and director of marketing at Mentor Graphics early on, along with being a part of the PBAS team at KPMG. Carla, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. That is, quite, here, a, to that is quite a bio. We're going to learn a lot from you, huh? <laughs> Everything you can learn in 15 minutes or less. Good. Tell us what invoice pay is and what's your revenue model. How do you make money? So invoice pay is transforming the massive and mostly manual effort that goes into paying suppliers um, for businesses. So today it's kind of hard to understand because as a consumer, you can pay anybody with your cell phone. But in the business environment, it's still the world is still mostly paper-based. And so enterprises are paying their suppliers by writing a paper check. So what we're doing is transforming that into a paperless world where suppliers, regardless of where they're located, can securely and electronically get paid, regardless of their size or their technology. So consumers can think of us almost like a Venmo or PayPal, but for business-to-business -business transactions. Yeah, I think that's a good analogy, and that is we're bringing the simplicity of consumer payments into the business world. Makes good sense. That business world is always behind the consumer markets. You're changing that. What's your what's your model? How do you make money? Is it SaaS-based or transaction-based or what? So we are both SaaS-based and transaction-based. So we supply software for our customers to use, and we also get paid on a per-transaction basis. Okay. And which, if you only had to pick one of these revenue streams to be more meaningful for you, which one is it? I think 
in the future, it will be more of the SaaS-based model that will become more meaningful. So as we expand and invest in our platform, the solution grows, and I think that'll be a more meaningful revenue stream in the future. So right now, as what I'm hearing you say is the transactional fees you guys take is more meaningful to your growth than the SaaS platform that you're actively developing. That's right. Got it. Okay, walk me through more of your founding story here. So you've done a lot. You've had a lot of success, which means you could really do anything. I'm curious where your head was at when you launched the company. How many years ago was that and why Invoice Pay? So we launched Invoice Pay back in 2009. And there are three of us that are founders. There's another woman who knows a lot about payments and has been in the payment space for years before Invoice Pay. There's myself and I come from kind of a marketing slash finance background. And then there's just a brilliant guy who's a technology um, focused guy. And the three of us started Invoice Pay in 2009. And I think it's really important, right? When people are founders, it's really important to um, come together with people that have different skills than them and work together. So I can't imagine starting a company on my own without you know the, the skill sets of the founding team in this together. So way back in 2009, nobody was talking about B2B payments. Um, we started in Portland, Oregon, which does not have a deep or broad technology, you know, venture capital funding um, area. And then we also started by targeting automotive dealerships. So I laugh, we had three strikes against us, right? To say, those are bad, three bad things, right? Right, recession, yeah. you know. Yeah, hell of a year um, to launch. Nobody's ever made money and in an environment that's really hard to raise money. So that made us very capital efficient, really focusing on the customer and what we can do to build our product. I think that helped us as we evolved until this point. Right? Now, have you are you bootstrapped today or have you raised capital? No, we've raised capital today. So those days are long behind us. So the early days of, um, you know, worrying about raising money are long behind us. We now have plenty of people who would love to invest in invoice pay, right? And our challenge has shifted. Our challenge is now to grow faster than the market, right, and pick up share. So we're in a market that's 36 trillion in payment volume size. So it's, it's huge. And our challenge is to grow faster than that, right, and get a piece of this market as Well, how as fast is that market? You give me the, the concrete number, a snapshot in time, but how fast is it growing? So I, the numbers I've seen only show it at 25%, but we're growing double year over year. Got it. Right? So it's kind of a land grab opportunity as the way I would characterize it. Yep. Now, uh, my research team tells me you guys have raised uh, about 20-ish million dollars. Is that accurate? About 25 million. 25. Yeah. And the last, I think, was a Series F. You guys are getting pretty deep. Uh, wh why not do less rounds, more each? Kind of why take the kind of piecemeal approach? So, you know, I don't, it, it's a function of raising money during the time. So remember now we are raising money in the middle of a financial crisis and a recession, and we're raising money in payments. So in payments, you make money a little bit at a time. So it takes a while to get a payment company up to critical mass. And in that environment, it's much smarter to raise a little bit of money, show results, hit a milestone and raise more money. And that way you hang on to a bigger chunk of your company long-term. And so we did sort of these bite-sized raises. In other words, um, raise money, um, deliver results, drive more customer volume and raise money. Is your key, you talk about reaching milestones to get more leverage, to raise an evaluation that's higher so there's less dilution for founders and the employee equity pool, et cetera. Is the key number that you guys have to keep focused on is, is it transaction volume through your platform? Is that is that it? 
Yeah, okay. I think it's transaction volume and it's also customers, right? Customer results. And so when you can drive and, and get to thousands of customers, then everything else kind of goes by the wayside, right? You've proven your product works. There's customers who will buy it across vertical markets. And, and then the company is really on its way. It's about then sort of um, maximizing the opportunity mm -hmm. versus um, getting into the market. Now, what are you at today in terms of total customers using you guys? We have about 2,500. Okay. It's kind of hard to count a customer because we have, you know, one customer may have 250 locations. Yep. Right. Yep. Yes, yeah, so you have 2,500 customers. Uh, this is obviously why probably transaction volume speaks more. Before you raised your first round of capital, what did you and your co-founders feel like you had to hit in terms of total transaction volume through your platform to really go out and raise at terms that you would all accept? So that we, you know what, we didn't really have this transaction volume number, but I will say when we hit our first billion, we thought, wow, this is great. <laughs> what and year was like, that? Wow, that's, that was a long damn time ago, Nathan. <laughs> and, and that number seems so small now. It's just funny. Yeah. Like actually. how long, like, I mean, was that like in 2010, 2011? Yeah, maybe it was in 2011. I don't know. But we thought, you know, gosh, we hit a billion dollars through our network. People are going to really notice and we're going to be, you know, we'll, we will have arrived but honestly, it's nothing compared to the size of the market, right? You guys, you guys were toasting champagne and nobody else gave a damn, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a, such a big market, right? You yeah. don't run into anybody else. What, what do you think you guys will break in 2017 in terms of total transaction volume? You know what? I never communicate my transaction volume. Mm -hmm. and, and that's because a couple of things. We compete against big banks. And big banks... It's, it's this funny thing in fintech, which is the category that we're in. And I think companies kind of want to either beat you or join you, right? And I think we're still in the banks trying to beat us instead of joining us. And, and the transaction volume number, the banks will report their number from all their customers, regardless of the transaction. So no matter what I say, seems really small, yep. but we're way into double digits in billions of dollars. I was going to say, can, can you can you say accurately that you've passed the $10 billion mark and we won't go yes. past that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Past well 10 billion. Past 10 billion. Good. But under 100. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. That's fair. We'll leave it at that. Very good. So that's transaction volume. Now, how do you... I mean, you have a really interesting thing. It's kind of the, like the document signing industry, right? When someone wants to sign a legal document, there's two parties involved. And if you have one as a customer, you can quickly turn one customer to two because that's your marketing. I imagine you guys have that as well. If, if company A is paying company B and company B is not a customer yet, you can maybe onboard that way. Is that true as a growth strategy for you? I think it's really hard to, to have that kind of network effect, right? To turn the supplier. So now in our network, we have 2,500 customers and 300,000 suppliers. Oh, wow. Suppliers are customers though, right? I mean, they have to have a good experience. They need to understand who's paid them, how much they've been paid, when they've been paid. They need to be able to reconcile the money they received to the information they received. So yeah. suppliers are very much part of the equation. But I think it's really hard to grow with a network effect that makes, through suppliers. That makes good sense. Now, do you guys have kind of weird above the line costs or have you built some of the process? You know, usually people pay processing <laughs> fees, right? Did you guys build that tech internally so you can kind of get rid of that cost or not? So everybody in the United States that sends an ACH is going to be riding on the bank network. And you so it's impossible. To. Right. If, if you're going to send an ACH in the U.S., you're on the banking network. So Carla, right? you're about to tell me that you're going to do an ICO so you can get rid of the banks, right? <laughs> Maybe I'll buy a bank and do it myself, <laughs> right?
seems like it would be easier. Is that something you guys are seriously considering? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. But you could. Um, I, but, but someday, that's conceivable, right? Yeah. But today, we ride on other networks, right? We, we have our, our own, think of our network as a private network, our own customers and suppliers talking to each other. But we, when we send transactions, we send those transactions over um, the banking network via Nacho files, and we send transactions on the card networks. So well. let me, I'm just, I'm night, I'm ignorant in this space. If, if I put, if I'm a buyer and I'm paying a supplier through your system and it, let's just say it's a dollar for making math easy. What, how many cents go, do you have to give to the bank for that? So not many. So it's pennies. So think about a transaction. So think about the customer today is paying by check and okay. a check costs 10 times more than electronic payment, yep. right? So think of a check costing like four bucks and the electronic payment costing maybe 40 cents. For what so For what amount of volume? A hundred bucks? For, it's a it's a per transaction fee. No matter what the ACH. size. No matter what the size of the transaction. Okay. So when you send it ACH, it's just pennies on that. And the banking part of that is also just pennies. So 40 cents for a transaction and the ACH fee is, is much smaller. So what we do though, is if banks could have solved this problem a long time ago, they would have. And the problem is not simply sending a transaction down a pipe, but it's figuring out how to pay the supplier, what kind of payments the supplier will accept. It's about collecting the data required to pay the supplier, securely storing it and managing it over time as it changes. So think about a customer that's making 100,000 payments a year. They've got 200,000 invoices flying between them and their suppliers, and they have 10,000 suppliers. So what we do is help manage the data on the front end as it's changing for suppliers, and then help manage the experience on the back end for support around that payment. It makes complete sense. And I see the, why there's value in your SaaS model just from that approach. I mean, if suppliers are changing addresses or their taxes have issues, exactly. I mean, there's all kinds exactly. of stuff you have to be able to do. Um, right. Now, do you guys cap your fee or are you taking a percent of the transaction volume no matter how big or small it is? So we don't today take a percent of the transaction volume. Okay. So the models are changing in the industry. So there are folks who are taking a percent of the ACH volume. Who? Um, Come on, Carla, throw them under the bus. <laughs> There's a couple, wouldn't take hard to find out. You okay. can Google them now. So, so the model is evolving in the industry. And as that model evolves, today we don't charge suppliers because we want suppliers to accept electronic payment, right? We want, we want our customers to pay electronically. So through time, we'll give suppliers options and as we add more services, um, they can choose those services for a fee, but we're not gonna force our suppliers and um, hold them hostage. To are, your, are your customers though paying a transaction fee? They, today, yeah, the customers pay per transaction. Is it the suppliers do not pay a fee. Oh, okay, so it's per transaction. So it's a flat yeah. fee per transaction or is it yeah. a percentage? The customers pay a flat fee per flat. transaction. Got it, okay. And is that comparable to kind of banks? Are we talking cents? Yeah. Got it. Yeah, so banks, I think one of the reasons banks haven't solved the problem yet is because they have a margin target, right? Bank wants to make 50%. Always. So they don't want to invest, yeah, at least 50%. So they don't want to invest in technology, right? They're not traditionally good at technology and they don't want to invest in the services required to make that customer successful, mm -hmm. right? So if the bank could have 
had the willpower or the ability to solve it, this would have been solved. Mm -hmm. Right. Makes sense. Now, g getting at, as much as we can, kind of understanding your business more. So, like, what's team size today? So we're between 100 and 150 people. Okay. We have our headquarters are in Portland, and then we have teams of people throughout the country that are selling our solution. Got it. So you do have a sales force. We do. And are they incentivized like a typical sales force or base plus commission? They have a quota target. That's right. How That's many? Every sales force, right? Yeah. How many of the 100 or 150 are, are strictly sales? Um, not a huge, not a huge portion today is in sales and that's because we also sell through partners. Mm. So we have, we will expand our channel, both our footprint through partners and our sales team through time. All right, guys, I talked about this earlier, but I schedule like so many meetings that would blow your mind. I mean, all my podcast interviews, right? Hundreds of entrepreneurs I talk to monthly. I schedule and you know what I do it so efficiently I get them all to agree to my calendar so all the calls are back to back to back that means I'm not switching in between tasks all day long I get them to batch so that can be very efficient it's so critical I use a tool called acuity scheduling to do this at nathanlacka.com forward slash schedule it eliminates the back and forth between me and people I'm trying to meet with it makes it very simple and most importantly they help me keep my no-show rate very low because they send out reminders. Helps you look very professional. So go to nathanlacka.com forward slash schedule to sign up and you get a great deal. You know, you guys know this. I hit people hard. I make great deals. And Gavin, the CEO, has given us a great deal. If you sign up like normal people, okay, on their website, you only get a 14-day free trial. If you use my link, nathanlacka.com forward slash schedule, you get 45 days free. Okay, it's the best. It's free. Go to nathanlacka.com forward slash schedule right now to sign up and I'll see you there. Makes a lot of sense. Carla, let's wrap up here with the famous five. These are one word answers. You ready? Yeah. Number one, what's, what's your favorite business book? Um, Jeffrey Moore, Crossing the Chasm. Yeah, that's a good one. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Two, Meg Whitman and Jeff Bezos. Do you think there were internal conversations at Uber to bring Meg on? And if so, why do you think the other guy got it? I think there were conversations to bring Meg on, and I think Meg was smart enough to understand the political landscape and think maybe that was in the right spot for her. What do you think her next move is? Do you follow her that closely? I don't know. I think it might be political. Really? I hope so. We'll see. Yeah. All right, number yeah. three. Besides your own, what's your favorite online tool like HostGator? Google Docs. Google Docs. Number uh, four. How many hours of sleep do you get every night? Not enough. <laughs> How many, you think? Six and a half. Six and a half. Okay. And yeah. what's your situation? Married, single, do you have kids? Married, and I've got twin daughters. Wow, who are how in young? College. Yeah, 19. Oh, college. Okay, good. So, yeah. so you're you're an empty nester at least. You're getting sleep. Am, right? No babies more crying. More hours to work. More, more hours, hours to, work, to work, Carla. That's that's what you tell the VCs, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Carla, do you mind me asking how old you are? Yes, Nathan. Okay. I am never going to tell on a public broadcast. I'm going to assume. Too old. Nathan, i uh, You're not old. I'm going to assume. I'm just going to. I'm assume you're. We'll say thirty. So take us back ten years. <laughs> what do you, What do you wish your twenty year old uh, self knew? Uh, relax. It'll be okay. Um, have fun because life is short. There you guys have it from Carla. Good sport. One of the early founders, one of three of Invoice Pay back in 2009. Their business model is transitioning more towards SaaS as they make the world of kind of businesses paying their suppliers more efficient. They're making the, the suppliers be able to update their data more efficient and the businesses be able to, again, interact with those suppliers more efficiently as well. There's definitely a SaaS model there, but right now it's a transaction kind of volume play. They, are well, they thought it was a big deal when they passed a 
billion in transaction volume. They're well over 10 billion now, looking to beat out a lot of these banks and bring uh, cheaper prices to a lot of people. So Carla, thank you for taking us to the top. Okay, thank you.